Welcome to the Your Virtual Upline Podcast. My name is Bob Heilig, your host and the founder of Your Virtual Upline. This is the podcast for the new wave of network marketing leaders that want to make an impact and aren't just building a downline, they're building a better world. Join us each week and learn how to build a profitable network marketing business that gives you complete freedom so that you can give back to the world in an even bigger way. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 104 of the podcast. And uh, today's a big day for me. I've got somebody that's going to be joining us on the podcast that's been someone that has been a very special mentor of mine since the early, early days. I have to say, I don't get nervous for too many interviews that I do, but this was one that had me feeling a little bit of anxiety. But I've got the none and only Mrs. Shalene Johnson on the podcast today. Man, I feel like really important having all these amazing people joining me. It's kind of puffing my ego up a little bit. Let's me know, hey, maybe I'm doing something right over here, but uh, you are in for a treat. Shalene and I have really a very open and honest discussion around a number of issues. She talks a lot about an upcoming book that she has coming out called The 131 Method. We really take a deep dive into the health and wellness side of entrepreneurship. You know, I've never really talked about that here, but, you know, physical well being and health is, is such an important component of creating fulfillment and a successful life. And, helping you sustain the effort and motivation you need to build a successful business. So we talk a lot about kind of health and wellness and the journey that she was on in that area. We also talk about redefining success. You know, one of the things that I love about Shalene is she has a different opinion and it's really very much in line with ours in terms of like creating success on your own term, you know, building a business that's in line with your values and principles in life. So we have a great discussion there. And then towards the end, we start talking about faith and spirituality and her viewpoint on the role of God when it comes to business and about being outspoken about your beliefs and being unapologetic in who you are and the benefits of that in terms of building and growing a brand on social media. So I can't wait to share the interview with you. You know, like I said, it was really, really just such a special moment for me to be able to have her on my podcast. I was fortunate enough to be on hers a couple of different times and you'll get a chance. I share a story in the beginning of the interview that I've never talked about before about how the whole Your Virtual Upline thing came to be. Shalene actually has an interesting part in that happening. And, you know, once again, just can't wait to share this interview with you. Hey, do me a favor. Make sure you go check out the link that we'll give you uh, for Shalene's new book. I highly recommend getting it. We'll put the link in the show notes by the time this interview comes out. It'll already most likely be available for purchase. And hey, reach out to me. Let me know if you're digging the whole interview style thing. You know, last episode with Lara Casey, I had a ton of you let me know how much you love that. So, you know, I want to be able to sprinkle in these interviews with some of these incredible, amazing people that I've had a chance to meet in my journey that I think really, you know, what's important to me is, is I'm only going to bring people to you that I think are in aligned with the heart and soul of what we want to create here but that you'll get massive value from. So let me know if you get any value from this episode with Shalene. And without further ado, I'll turn it right over to the interview. All right, everybody. Well, I don't get nervous too much for stuff that I do, but I have to say I'm a little anxious for this one. I've got an extra special guest here with me, none other than Mrs. Shalene Johnson. Shalene, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you. Did you just call me extra? I did. Did I call you extra? <laughs> you are the exact opposite of basic. So then I <laughs> I don't know if extra, does that make you extra or what's the, the I th- nice I, way of saying that? I'll take extra. I like okay. extra. Well, thanks for being here, Shalene. I really appreciate it. And, you know, we've got a lot of really great stuff that we're going to be talking about. But before we get into like my official intro of you, I want to share a quick story with you that I've never told you before that is really kind of relevant here because this is called the Your Virtual Upline Podcast. And, you know, I came up with this kind of tagline of Your Virtual Upline years ago when I first started this process. And how I came up with it, true story, was when I first started listening to podcasts. I'd never listened to them before. This was right when I was first starting to try to build a personal brand. 
And I used to listen to podcasts when I was running in the mornings. I would go for a run and I'd put my earphones in and I'm like, let me listen to something that's going to actually feed my mind. So I started searching for podcasts. I found yours and I fell in love with it right away just because of your style and delivery. And I'm like, man, this is really good. And you did an interview with Michael Hyatt. Remember, this is probably, you know, years ago, you might have done it at this point. Maybe you interviewed him again, but you interviewed Michael and he introduced himself as your virtual mentor was his kind of tagline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had, I was literally running and it was one of those moments where it was like the lightning bolt hit me. I stopped and I literally got chills and I'm like, oh my God, I'm your virtual upline. That's so cool. And so I literally came up with this entire idea, listening to one of your podcasts, running on Kelly Drive in Philadelphia, PA. Down by We'll have to share that story sometime with Michael Hyatt too, because he'd love that. Yeah. So anyway, so that was kind of my first introduction to you. But there's probably not a lot of you that don't know Shalene, but Shalene is somebody that has been a mentor from afar from mine since the early days. And I took her Marketing Impact Academy when I was trying to learn how to do all this stuff. And she became more of a mentor up close through her courses. And she's just somebody that I really admire what she stands for and the way that she's built what she has. You all know that we're really big on building a business with the foundation of love and integrity and giving back. And I think that's really everything that you stand for, Shalene. But I'm excited to have you here today because we're going to kind of shift gears. We've never had a conversation on this podcast about wellness and health. And you've done a lot of incredible work lately. I know that you're about to launch your book on the 131 method. Yep. And super excited to get a chance to read that. And I know that you've had this incredible journey over the last couple of years in your health. And that's led you to the point of doing this work where now you know, you've impacted people for so long in the areas of fitness and working out and then you know, teaching marketing strategies. And I think you've kind of added this additional component to your business. But I'd love to have you talk a little bit about how you came to writing the book and kind of the backstory of your journey. Because I think that a lot of times as entrepreneurs, it's really easy for us to ignore our health. And Mm -hmm. we just caught in this achievement-driven society where it's always do, 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 do. And we never take that important time for ourselves. So I'd love to have you share a little bit about kind of how you got to the point of writing the book. Yeah, I think probably most of your listeners are not just type A's, we're type double A. Like we go, 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 go hard, trained ourselves not to even listen to the fact that we're stressed. You know, people will say, well, gosh, I'm having this symptom, but it couldn't be stressed because I'm fine. Even though my eye has been twitching for the last four weeks, and my digestion is irregular and I can't sleep and my hair's falling out, but I'm fine. I'm totally fine because I haven't had a mental breakdown. Meanwhile, your body's trying to tell you something. And you know, for me, when someone will say like, huh, that's interesting. You teach marketing and you've got this whole you know, way of helping people become healthy. You know, how do those two things go together? And for me, the mission has always been the same. How can I help people get healthy? And that means financially healthy, physically healthy, mentally healthy, spiritually healthy. How can I do that so that they have confidence? Because ultimately that's going to help people to be happy. I want people to be happy. And if I can help them to be healthy, that's going to lead to that confidence. And so it all relates. You know, it's one of the reasons why I want to help people understand you don't have to necessarily start a business, but you do have the potential to make money online, you know, and you don't have to always think about in terms of like, you as this big, scary business leader, but like the opportunity to make money online is there for everyone. And that's going to improve your financial health, which improves your confidence. And all of those things relate back to ultimately being happy. For me, I ended up in fitness by accident. I've always been entrepreneurial. And in fact, I know many of your listeners are in multi-level marketing organizations. And I started in college with my own business and in conjunction with that, at the same time, I was also with a network marketing organization called Cutco. Mm. Cutco Knives. And I still love them and still gift them to people. I'm no longer a, I think they call them a rep. But I understood the importance of, you know, learning those systems because I learned how to be an entrepreneur from my father 
And so he didn't have a lot of those organized systems in place on how to, how to create something and scale it, how to figure out the best way to train someone. And then rather than trying to recreate that wheel each time, like replicating that process. So I was really very intrigued and, and I was good at business. And I was so good at business, you know, not tooting my own horn, but like I, you know, I knew that was my strength so much so that when I started applying some of those principles to the fitness I was doing for myself, I pretty quickly realized like, oh, this could help a lot of people and this could be a business too. So I ended up in fitness almost by accident. Mm. You know, I, I didn't study nutrition or kinesiology or exercise. My degree isn't related to that. I just ended up there quite by accident. And that's important because I always felt uncomfortable there. Mm. I always felt like, oh, someone's going to find out that I didn't study this in college. Someone's going to ask for my credentials. Someone's going to call me on the carpet and say, girl, what are you doing? You are not as lean, as tall, as fit, as fill in the blank. You are not enough. And I was so worried about that happening that I would overcompensate. So I got like a million certifications. I learned to read every piece of science I could about exercise. Mm. But I didn't realize I should have been doing that about nutrition too. Because once my business caught the attention of infomercial companies and then we were serving consumers, the first thing they would say is like, okay, we have to tie a diet to this. And I would say, well, okay, I haven't been following a diet. I haven't been giving my people a diet. It's just an exercise program. And they'd say, okay, well, we'll create it for you. And then you just say it's part of the program. I'd be like, okay. You know, and it's like, I'm taking full responsibility, but I signed off on a lot of things just because I didn't know. And I also didn't understand the gravity of that responsibility and that I should have looked further. And I should have applied the same interest and passion and quest for knowledge and science that I was with the exercise. And I wasn't with the diet stuff. What was the kind of the turning point for you to say, you know, this is something I really need to be kind of looking more into? I got lost in it myself. Again, because of my own beliefs that I didn't belong there, that I didn't look like everybody else. I was always worried about that. And I was always, because I'm 5'2", so if I gain two pounds, it looks like 20. And so I was always worried that if I gained five pounds, I was going to get kicked out of the club. You know, so I've got that working against me. At the same time, I'm thinking, okay, I'm a woman. You know, I've got to work harder and I've got to maintain this body. and what I didn't realize is the harder I was training, the slower my metabolism was becoming, which meant if I didn't work out for two hours or three hours, then I could gain a pound or two. So then I was like, okay, well, I can't work out longer. So I'm not going to diet. I don't even know how to diet, but I'm going to cut back on my calories. I'll cut back on the amount of food that I'm eating. I'll cut back on my fat. And so I started doing that. And you just keep cutting and cutting food and upping your exercise that I was. And still looking the same, but yet I knew if I didn't keep moving in both those directions that I was going to gain weight and then I would be out of a job, et cetera. And it was like a nightmare for me because I was also having to go on camera and say things like, you can get these results in 30 minutes a day. Just Mm -hmm. follow this meal plan and do this workout program. And Bob, I believed that. I wasn't misleading my followers or the customers. I just did not believe that was possible for me. I just thought it does work for everybody else. I wish it worked for me. It doesn't because I'm flawed. Yeah. Because I even then I didn't know I was stuck in it. The catalyst for me was I started having so many symptoms. I was cold 24-7. I couldn't think straight. I couldn't focus. So much so that it was like I hear people talk about brain fog and I wouldn't even that sounds like a nice, comfortable place to be. And like it was debilitating. I couldn't finish. I would struggle in the middle of sentences to find the next word. I felt like, God, am I getting dementia? What's going on? This is a friend I see every single day. And why can't I think of their name right now? Like Mm -hmm. literally people I would see every day and I'd be like, oh my God, what is their name? What was going on in my brain didn't feel right. My joints were achy. So like all these things were happening at the same time. I was always tired and wired. I, I couldn't wait to go to sleep. But the second I laid down, I could sleep for a couple of hours and then I was up. And so I went to the doctor. The doctor said, you know, I think this sounds a lot like, I hate to break it to you, but this is part of aging and you're probably becoming menopausal, you know, and this is what happens. It's pretty normal. And I thought maybe, but this seems like so much 
and I talked to my mom and she's like, no, no, I was much older and I don't remember any of that. So I finally got a, a referral to a neuroscientist to have my brain scanned. And that's when I discovered I have a brain scanned. I had a nutrition panel and a hormone panel all done at the same time. And that day, as I sat across the table from my doctor, and Dr. Amen, Dr. Daniel Amen is the doctor that I treated with and did a SPECT scan, S-P-E-C-T. So it's not an MRI, it's a SPECT scan. They look at blood flow and activity in the brain. And on a day, I got a failing health report. He just said, I know you're on TV. I know you're a health expert, but your health is failing. Mm. You are on a fast track right now for Alzheimer's. Your brain is looks 20 years older than what it should be. You're deficient in all the major and very important essential vitamins and minerals that you need just to produce the hormones that you need to make your body work the way it's supposed to work. And that was a shock in a wake-up call. And like, I don't cry. I'm so even, but I went and sat in my car and I cried and I cried and I cried. And Bob, you'll understand why. Because I kept thinking about my kids. Mm. Like, it didn't matter to me. I'm like, so what? You know, if I didn't have kids, I, I don't know if I, just being honest, I don't know if I would have made the same changes, but the thought of my kids having to take care of me like 20 years before they should and me losing out on their lives because of things I had done, it was like sadness. It was anger with myself because I knew they were lifestyle. I didn't know to what extent my lifestyle had contributed, but I knew because he told me. This can all be reversed. Wow. But you're gonna to have to change a lot about your lifestyle. Wow. You know what's so what's so like scary about hearing that is how many people never realize it just can, goes completely undiagnosed. They just go mm-hmm. through life operating at like a fraction of their potential and wow. they never realize how much of a role that diet plays in that, right? My father in law right now is kind of near the middle end stages of Alzheimer's and it came on so fast and so sudden. And I just wonder like what his life would be because he's just such a phenomenal person and we're losing him, Mm. you know? And just to think what his life would be like, I get upset thinking about it. If he knew and it made these changes because they're minor, they're not like radical changes. They're just, it's like knowledge. And when you know better, you can do better. But even though he was an entrepreneur, he was a high school football coach. But so much of his lifestyle and my lifestyle were very similar. So I'm listening to you talk and I'm thinking about this word that keeps popping into my head is purpose, right? Mm. And so we talk a lot about tapping into this sense of bigger, deeper sense of purpose and meaning behind the work that we do. So I'm envisioning you going through this very difficult experience and challenging experience, but finding out that you have a solution to change something about your life, right? To get a hold on this. And I'm wondering, at what point did you start to realize that maybe this needed to be something bigger for you, right? So you started this path of changing and, you know, we'll get into, I'd love to have you share some of the specifics of like, hey, what do people need to do differently and what to look out for? And I know that's why you wrote the book. But I'm wondering, I mean, this is a big pivot for you, right? To at some point have the realization that, did you feel this sense of kind of purpose that you needed to share your story and help people in a bigger way? Not at first. At first, I was really ashamed. I was embarrassed because you know what it would be like? It would be like if you were the tax expert and, and the money expert and everybody just found out that Dave Ramsey was filing for bankruptcy. That's what it felt like. So I didn't want people to know uh, and it hit me at the knees when it comes to my confidence, like, oh gosh, see, you didn't know what you were doing and you've led all, I felt so much guilt and shame because I knew, gosh, if I'm here and I had the responsibility of this platform and all these other people, what have I done to lead other people down this path? And, you know, instead of feeling sorry for myself, like, oh, I got caught up in the diet and fitness culture. Not only had I got caught up in it, I was a part of it. I was a contributing member and that weighed on me very heavily. And my husband is, you know, so supportive. He understood that my health needed to be my number one focus. And at the time I wasn't thinking about purpose, which is interesting because, you know, we always talk about like your lowest point is 
the thing that God puts on you, like sometimes there's no way to explain these things other than, well, God wants me to help other people with this. But I didn't think about that at the time. And I don't think you should until you've kind of worked through these things. It's not time to help other people until you have, it's like, you know, that person who's in a meeting who points out all the problems, doesn't have a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I knew there, it didn't make sense for me really to much talk about a solution until I figure one out for myself. And then once I figure one out for myself, one of the first things I realized is that a one size fits all approach to diet and fitness is what landed me there. So I couldn't tell people, here's what I did and you have to do it too. I had to figure out like, okay, so if I had this framework to solve my own answers to nutrition and exercise and lifestyle and productivity and brain health, if I had my own framework for that, how could I teach other people to apply their own personal situation and develop their own solution, their own unique approach to diet, sleep, nutrition, exercise? And then I started testing it. I started testing it with first just my, you know, guinea pigs, my friends who would be willing to do it with me. And then my office staff, because I could threaten them that I would terminate them if they didn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, they could fire me. And then eventually we went online and I tested it with a thousand and then 2000 and 5000. Eventually we tested it in total 25,000 people before we like fully released it to the public because I had to keep tweaking it and revising it and improving it and phasing it to figure out because it's such a unique experience. How do we make this doable so that we're helping people with a formula or a framework, but yet it still has to be personalized? Yeah. Yeah. So I want to dig into the details of that, but I want to make an important point here because I think what you're saying is really so critical because a lot of times we go through challenges in our life and we deal with situations and circumstances that at the time, we really have a hard time understanding why. We go through these really difficult times and I totally agree with what you say. When you're in the middle of it, it's hard to see that bigger purpose, right? Yeah. But I think what's an important lesson is that you moved forward with faith and you took action. You said, hey, let me figure out how I can solve this for myself. Now, at the time, you weren't thinking of the bigger picture. But what I think is interesting is the lesson is that understanding that the challenges and the adversities and the obstacles that are placed in front of us, if we can just continue to move forward through them with faith and knowing that they are there for a reason, even though you might not see the reason yet, Mm -hmm. I think that's a really powerful lesson because looking back now, now that you're on the other side of it, do you have a different sense of why it happened Um, to you? Yeah, a thousand percent. And I think like the day that I realized like this is going, I have to help other people with this is when I, and I I was so passionate about it, is when I went back to have my brain re-scanned. And then I was looking at the before and afters of what I'd been able to do with my brain. And thinking about how crazy that was because everything to this point in my career was the before and after of your abs. And I thought, what a pointless pursuit. The pursuit of a before and after of your brain, like common sense should tell us like you win when your brain is better in all areas. The only thing you might win if your abs are better is, I don't know, you're more comfortable posting that photo to your Instagram, but it doesn't impact the quality of your life. Nothing impacts the quality of your life like brain health, like health from the inside out. And it was like, that got me so pumped up. I remember going live on, I don't remember what platform it was, whether it was Facebook or Periscope, the day that I got my follow-up results and just crying again, because I was so happy. And I was proud of myself because it wasn't somebody else's formula that I had followed. I developed my own plan and it was lifestyle. And I just felt so much better. And sometimes when things don't feel good, you can't even imagine or even remember or associate with what it feels like to feel good. And it was in that moment that I realized not only did I want to share this with other people, but I had, it was even bigger than purpose. It was responsibility. You know, it's like I took people down this path the same way I did when I developed smart success because I knew then that I was teaching so many people entrepreneurship, but I hadn't taught them how to figure out what they wanted to feel. I kept teaching people how to obtain their goals, car, house, money, blah, 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 recognition, status. But I hadn't taught people how to reverse engineer what their life should feel like. And when, you know, Brett and I really hit that rock bottom place, 
I turned around and the same kind of the same thing. It's like, oh my gosh, I've I'm here and I have all these people that have been, you know, taking advice from me. I now have an obligation to teach them that there is a way. You know, I know everyone always says you can't have balance, but you can feel balanced. Mm. And that's the difference. Not every area of your life is going to have equal amount of attention, duh. But you can feel balance. I like to call it peace. You know, I don't pursue balance. I pursue peace. And feeling like, wow, gosh, I've led all these people here. I have a responsibility to help them understand what I didn't know and what I did wrong. And the same is true for my health pursuits. It's exciting because I just think about the level of impact that you're going to make now in the work that you do. It's so much deeper because you know you're going to be helping people at such an important fundamental level. It's not just the exterior. Because I mean, look, it's you know the world that we all live in on social media. It is really just about, about how you look on the outside. And to know that you're going to be able to heal people on the inside, I think that's, that's really exciting to think about. And that's the battle is the social media piece to this. Because I was just thinking about it today. Like when people get caught up in this, that's all you follow. And you're like, oh, I want to get healthy. And so you start following fitness influencers and the fitness influencer is only posting about their workout. So you feel like that's what they're doing all day long. And then the person who's a healthy food blogger, that's all they're posting about is healthy food. So you start getting these obsessive thoughts and any of these things can lead to an unhealthy addiction or an unhealthy pursuit. Same is true of business, right? You start following people who are really successful in business and you feel like that's all that they're doing is working on their business and talking about their business and traveling and you know living this lifestyle. And because we can't forget that what people post in social media is filtered by what's the easiest thing to get the likes for, you know, and we should do a test. If I post a before and after of my brain, it won't get any likes. Right. But if I post a before and after of me and fitness wear, it's going to go viral, you know? So it's that, how do we stop? It sounds like shallow pursuits, but it's, it's just that sparkly thing that grabs our attention first. So we're constantly being inundated with it. And I think it's a conscious awareness of what it is we want to feel. Yeah, that's powerful. Let's talk a little bit about the actual kind of insights because I'm sure by now people are like, okay, all right, like what do I need to do differently? You know, I feel brain fog or I I have this. So I'm curious and and I know that we definitely don't have time to go through everything. So people are going to need to get the book and we're going to put a link to it in the show notes for them to get it. But what are some of like the biggest kind of aha moments you had around it? Like what are some of the core fundamental things, like where can someone start? What are the things? Yeah. Well, I think the first thing we have to understand is mindset, right? Like, so I could lay out everything exactly that you need to do right now, like what to eat and when to eat and how to eat and why to eat and what exercise to do and when. I could lay it all out and we've seen it before, but there's a difference between like hearing information, understanding information, even really comprehending it and then applying it. And that boils down to mindset. The same thing is true of what it is you teach here. You know, you give people everything they need to know. Why is it some people grab hold and they'll at least try? And even just by trying, they're successful. And then some people just keep taking notes and taking notes and taking notes and don't take action. Yeah, And that starts with mindset. So that was the first thing I had to look at is like, what was it that made me make these changes? Because some of the changes I made, I knew. I'd heard it long ago. It wasn't like new information to me that, that Diet Coke was filled with chemicals. So why in the past did I not care or not take action? And so the first thing I wanted to do is understand what mindset shifts have to happen and how can I help people build a new mindset before we start working on building a new body or a new brain or improving your gut health. Like we have to shift mindset first and most programs don't start there. So that's the first thing is mindset. And then it's figuring out that each and every person, although most people say, I'm motivated to change the way I eat because of my weight. And if, even if they don't have to lose weight, they just don't want to have to think about it anymore. Like it shouldn't be this hard. It yeah. shouldn't be this hard to feel and look amazing. It shouldn't be this hard or this complicated. And so the very first thing I have people do is pick their, what's your objective? What is the number one mover for you? Is it weight? Is it you want to get your period back? Is it you want to be able to get rid of the acne that you're suffering from or the brain fog or depression and anxiety. You just want to feel better. Your your joints hurt. So everyone starts with their objective. Mm -hmm. 
-hmm. because that will determine how you go through each of the three phases. So it's a three-phased approach where you you follow a different eating plan for each phase. Mm -hmm. And that eating plan has been designed to help you figure out how does this help you thrive? Then the next phase, which is four weeks later, is a completely different eating plan designed to help you figure out like, okay, does this make me feel better or worse? And the phasing happens, there's three different phases, which we're trying to teach people, you're supposed to be phasing your diet for the rest of your life. Mm. Not in like a structured, okay, it's the four week mark, it's time to change my diet, but kind of teaching people that like, for whatever reason, accept this science to be true as it relates to fitness, cross-training, right? We cross-train our fitness. But when it comes to diet, we've ignored that and said, I'm just going to search for my answer and then I'm going to hang on to it because, you know, fill in the blank of the name of the diet, paleo, keto, low-fat, Mediterranean, you name it. Once I have some results from this, I'm going to hang on to this because I've been dying to have results. And then I start to gain the weight back and I'm still going to hang on to it. I'm just going to do it harder. And we don't realize like our ancestors, which means our biology was designed to thrive in a variety of seasons, phases, Mm -hmm. cycles, fast and famine. You know, there are different resources available in the summer. So people ate differently in the summer than they did in the winter months. And they ate differently in the spring than they did in the fall. And that's how our bodies were designed to thrive. Mm -hmm. It's when we try to hold on to a diet title or, you know, way of eating that our body does what it was designed to do, which is kick into homeostasis which is just a really fancy way of saying, hey, remember that weight that you can't ex- ex- escape? Let's go back to it. You know, it wants to keep everything the same, but when we change our diets the way that we were supposed to, then you've experienced freedom from food rules and you don't feel the need to be a card-carrying member of the fill-in-the-blank name of the diet. We can just have a much more relaxed, intuitive approach to our nutrition and understand that nutrition can fix just about every major disease you can think of. We are dying at an unbelievable rate. I'm going to get all passionate now. The death rate in the 1960s in the United States, we were at the top of longevity. Like we were living the longest in the world. And today we're at the bottom of developed countries. How can that be? Well, it's pretty simple. Stress, the food that we're eating, And the way that we are just exposing ourselves to so many toxic things in our environment, but mainly it's our food. I mean, it really does start with food. Like I always tell people like, you know, if if this feels overwhelming, like, wait a second, does this mean I have to know what fibers my pillow is made out of and that I've got to throw away all of my cosmetics? I say, how about we start with, if we're going to triage your health, let's start with your insides, like what you're consuming could be creating inflammation, which is the root cause of just about any autoimmune disease you can think of. We are dying from diseases that are preventable with nutrition. Yeah. I know that, you know, there's a lot of new science and studies out there about, you know, where to start. Because a big thing for me was I did a food allergy test. I'd never done any kind of testing like that before. And what was interesting is I found out that I was highly reactive to brewers and bakers yeast, which is basically all alcohol and breads. So mm-hmm. that, but it made me realize how little I've paid attention to the sensitivity of my body to certain foods. Yeah. You know, it's just like some days you don't feel that good. Other days you get more done. And I don't think people don't really make a connection. And for me, I cut out sugar and I stopped eating a lot of like processed breads and stuff. And the days that I do eat them, I literally can feel it in my body. I'm more conscious of it and I pay mm-hmm. attention to it. But I think about you know my entire life, I just kind of ate what I wanted and I subscribe to a lot of the common thinking around these diets, these fad diets, but never really mindful of the way that my body on the inside was reacting to what I was eating. I'm so glad you brought this up, Bob. So let me ask you a question. Now that you're aware of how it makes you feel, do you desperately crave it or do you not even crave it? I don't crave it. Yeah. So I liken it to, which is my problem are, I think the challenge with a lot of quote, elimination diets, you know, and I'm sure most people are familiar with them where you're supposed to cut out everything that's inflammatory. 
because it's on a piece of paper, it's the rules. You can, you know, Google it or look it up on Pinterest. Here are the rules for this diet, kind of all of these foods. And first of all, the average person cannot do that. It's just unrealistic. So boom, now 80% of people already feel like a failure. The 20% that maybe can do it, they cut it all out. And then at the end of 30 days or however long you're asked to keep it out of your diet, then you want it because you haven't figured out why or if you should eliminate it. So the first thing that we do in the one through one method is provide people all the information on what types of foods might be inflammatory. And then you go through item by item by item and make a decision if in fact you want to remove it or just simply cut back or do nothing, just keep it in your diet and see how, but pay attention to how it makes you feel. Mm. That way, it's kind of like if you've ever gotten food poisoning, the last thing that you ate just before food poisoning, you never want to see it again as long as you live. You don't crave it. For my son, we always laugh because if he even hears the word red velvet, (laughs) (laughs) he's like, you know, headed for the bathroom, but he used to love them. Yeah. So my wife literally just got done with a case of food poisoning and she had fish tacos. So she'll never want them again. It'll be a long time. Yep. Well, that's what's interesting. See, the body will tell us what we want and what we don't want if we'll actually listen to it, right? So the way we teach people to do this is you go through this list of inflammatory foods, you just figure out what you want to test, and then you become acutely aware of how it makes you feel. In which case, Now you don't need somebody to tell you this is a good food or a bad food. You make that decision for yourself based Mm. on how it makes you feel. And that's the process where we framework that for people so that it's not overwhelming. They have a system in order to test these things and figure out what works for them. And everything in the book I've written so that it is, people understand. See, and here's the challenge, if I'm being honest. The challenge is people don't want to figure this stuff out themselves. They're like, just give me a meal plan and tell me what the rules are, and I'll follow it. Yep. You know, so we had to strike this balance, which we've learned how to do over the last three years, where I know that's what you want because that's what you've been conditioned to believe. You've been conditioned to believe that you will mess it up because you're flawed, mm-hmm. that you don't understand enough. But I'm here to tell you, I'm going to give you some general guidelines, but I'm going to force you to make this work for you. You're mm-hmm. going to figure out how to make this your own. Yeah. So here's some general recommendations of what we're going to test this month. And here's some general recommendations for what we're going to test the following month. But like, for example, something like learning fasting. The first thing we help people understand is like, you can be super successful in this program and never fast. Mm-hmm. And in fact, many populations should never be fasting, whether it's intermittent fasting or a water fast or any type of fast. And we're going to help you understand that. We're going to help you understand that you have all these different tools and you have to figure out through documentation, which we provide for people, what works best for you. But if I can simplify things, Bob, it is that every month, the meal plans, the way that you eat your diet plan, if you will, your food plan changes every month. And you're learning what is working and what isn't working so that you can thrive. But there's no calorie counting. It's becoming aware. Yeah. And, you know, I was just, I'm obsessed now with the science of nutrition. I was just looking at a study commissioned by the NIH and Stanford University looking at what's better for us, a low carb diet or a low fat diet. And in this study, they, you know, it's like, oh, this is going to be great. You know, here's our answer. We're waiting for it. And you can, in fact, I'll, I'll probably put something on my podcast about it this week, but they studied 609 individuals. So that's a big human study where they gave one group followed a very low fat diet and the other group followed a low carbohydrate diet. They did not give them calorie recommendations and they didn't tell everyone they had to be at the same number of grams or even percentages. They just generally said, you stay low fat, this group stays low carb and then measured their results. And in the end, people gained weight on the low fat diet and people gained weight Mm. on the low-carb diet, and people lost weight on both diets. Almost identical results down to one pound. Wow. Wow. So what did both these groups have in common? They both ate whole unprocessed food. That's key. Yeah. They both increased their greens. That's key. I mean, there's certain things about diet that I think no matter who you're talking to, whether it's paleo or keto or 
vegetarians or vegans or you name it, I think almost everyone agrees we need more whole food, we need more greens. And here's the other really important factor. They were aware. And that's the piece, that's the thing with diet is people are like, you know, they always say, oh, well, diets don't work. But that's not true. Diets do work. Diets work. People lose weight on diets all the time. The piece that doesn't work is the long-term maintenance. How can we help? Because keeping the weight off is frustrating. And I wanted to create a program that allowed people freedom from this yo-yo dieting mentality in a way that simplified the process so that you can look and feel freaking amazing and get off the roller coaster. Because it's the awareness, I believe, that gives 80% of people great results. Now there's this 20% who they need to figure out whether they should be eating higher fat or lower fat and it has something to do with epigenetics and you know our genome, our genome typing. But that's a pretty small percentage. The majority and 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 you can figure that out too inside the program. You know, we help people to figure out what approach works best for you. But most people will succeed if you just help them to become more in tune. Yeah. Well, it makes so much sense. I mean, it's it's kind of ridiculous if you think that just a one-size-fits-all diet could be effective for people in general. I mean, every exactly. single person is different. And what I love about what you're telling me about your program is I love the idea, and I, I could see the challenge inherent in this, but it's almost like you're creating it with your students, right? Like you're giving them guidelines, but it's not like they're being force-fed here. You have to eat this, this, that. There's no variety. It's almost like you're creating this program for them together, which I feel like that's got to help with them taking ownership of it because they're actually, you know, they're, they're, like you said, they're becoming conscious of the fact that there are certain foods that do work for me. There are certain foods that don't. And you're coming together to this place where you're giving them this recommendation. And it's crazy how much of it relates to how I've been able to help students in business. Because as you know, and as do your listeners, when you start working with people, they're so afraid to do it wrong that they just kind of stay where they're at. And if their beliefs are such that I won't be a success, that I'm going to mess this up, that I won't do it right, that I will fail, their outcome follows their beliefs. So you have to start first with that mindset piece because that's going to dictate such a big, heavy, piece of your outcome. And, you know, the same is true when it comes to diet. It's like, if I can just keep pushing people like say, you know what? It's like, I can't help you discover your purpose or your passion. I can't pick your niche for you, but you can pick any old niche and you can change it later. You know what I mean? Like you can make this messy, but if you don't try, nothing's going to change. And especially for entrepreneurs, especially for females, I don't know if this is as true for men, but I know it to be, and you'll have to answer that for me, Bob, but especially for women, we hold ourselves back in so many ways because of our appearance. We won't Mm -hmm. go live because we feel like we look tired that day. Mm -hmm. We won't go to a networking event because we feel like we've gained 10 pounds. We won't produce content because we feel like people are going to judge us based on our appearance. How can I be an expert if I don't look like so-and-so? And it usually relates to appearance. So I don't think that entrepreneurs understand how powerful their nutrition and their lifestyle has an impact on their bottom line. Because let's face it, we are most attracted to people who have confidence. Yeah. And confidence comes when we know what we're doing and we feel really good. We feel good physically and we feel good about the way that we look. And that It's crazy how people stop worrying about their weight when they actually understand that it's not out of their control. And when when they start focusing on health from the inside out and they start healing their gut and the connection that has to your emotional health, your fertility, your hormones, your anxiety and depression, so much of that is tied to our gut health, sleep, Mm. you name it. I'll tell you this much. You cannot be a healthy entrepreneur if you're unhealthy. Yeah. You know, I've not talked a ton about this, but when Shannon and I had Grayson, shoot, he's 18 months old now, but you know, a little bit before then, my kind of like being healthy slipped a little bit, right? Like I wasn't working out and 
Uh-huh. You know, Shannon was pregnant, so I was eating like <laughs> I was pregnant, and we had him in my life. But but anyway, over the last couple of years, I've battled with being consistent about working out and eating well, and I gotten back to it in the last couple of months. And I literally can tell, like I just that afternoon lull when I was normally like looking for somewhere to lay down, and I couldn't <laughs> even think about where, like just like little things, like just being working out, feeling better, eating different, it gives me so much more just energy to do the work that I need to do. It's no joke. It is literally no joke. And it's a multifaceted approach to health. That multifaceted approach is kind of, again, how I view myself in business. Like I'm not just one dimensional and your health isn't exercise and nutrition alone. It is people that you surround yourself with. It's the sleep that you're getting. It's the way that you're able to reward yourself and celebrate your successes. All of that impacts our health. Like nothing is killing us faster than the food that we eat and the stress that we're under. And so much of it, we have to manage it. We can't just say, well, you know, social media and all these demands, it is what it is. I don't think that technology and social media are going away, nor are the demands of our lives. But if we learn how to manage those things and we are rewarded by it, and by reward, I mean when you can think clearly, when you're excited for your work, when you don't feel burnt out doing something you once loved, that's a reward. And I have to think too, if you can help people get a win in this area of their life, it really does spill over into these other areas, right? Like get me more confidence about having control of my health and the way that I feel, I mean, that spills over into your business and to these other things that you should. And into your relationships. Like, you know, not to get too graphic, but too many women who aren't even having sex with their husbands because they don't feel comfortable in their own bodies. And, you know, if we can change that, that's a benefit to both people. (laughs) You know, it really is. And I think so many people, again, that starts with mindset. Yeah. Which I wanted to mention too, Bob, the book comes out, April 16th. And I think your audience will love this. Anyone who pre-orders the book, you have a gift from me that's a $100 value. It's a mindset audio coaching program. And we really start at square one and kind of take down that in your mindset that's not serving you and rebuild it through a process of listening to these audios. There are four audios and they are free to anyone who pre-orders the book. You just pop in your earbuds and start listening on repeat. You go to 131book.com for the details. You just enter your order number. So if anyone, by the way, if anyone's already ordered the book and they're like, wait, I didn't know about this. Same thing. You can go to 131book.com and you'll see there where you can enter your order number and we'll get it directly to you. Awesome. We'll put that in the show notes. But here's what I, I couldn't love that anymore because we spent a lot of time, even more recently, talking about this concept of identity. And how, you know, I did a podcast episode a couple of episodes ago, and it was titled, Why Massive Action Doesn't Work for People. And my whole premise was that it doesn't work because people set external goals for themselves in their life that are not congruent with their internal identity, with the way that they view themselves, right? They set these huge goals for their business and their income and the way, you know, the amount of weight that they want to lose. But if inside, if you view yourself, as not being worthy or that you view yourself as a a fat person or that you're someone that doesn't deserve success. It doesn't matter how hard you work or how bad you want it. Your external results will always mirror your internal world. And I think this is probably also one of the things that really makes you uniquely qualified to deliver a program like this because you've spent the better part of your career coaching people on mindset when it comes to business. So to be able to marry these two things together, I think is incredible. Thank you. It is interesting how we try to sometimes compartmentalize these things, but it it all relates. Yeah, 100%. So I want to shift gears here. I want to have you talk a little bit. We've been touching on social media. And I think when I first found you, one of the things that really stood out to me was... I loved how you're really just unapologetic for who you are and you own it. And there's all these different kind of facets to what make you you and and you share all of that on social media. And that's, I think, for me, that's what made you stand out. But 
I'd love to have you talk a little bit about this idea of being able to really show up in an authentic way online. Because I think a lot of our listeners, they really do struggle. Like it's, you know, the number one thing I tell them is to be yourself. The simplest thing to say, but it's probably one of the hardest things to do, right? Just be yourself because what if I'm not good enough? But I'd love to have you talk a little bit about just the power behind just being unapologetic in who you are and what you stand for and what you believe and how sharing some of those things through the work and the content that you do on social media, how that can help you stand out. Yeah, that's a difficult question that people struggle with. And so I'll share with you my formula for figuring that out. But I do believe that the degree to which you can apply this depends on how you value yourself. I did a podcast last night with my daughter and we were talking about how some kids, we were talking about high school kids, how some kids in high school are so worried about fitting in and getting everyone's approval. And I asked her, you know, why do you think you didn't worry about that? Why do you think some people really struggle with how others view them? And she, you know, very poignantly suggested that I think what they have in common, people who really struggle with that, is that they're not quite sure that they are enough, that they're good enough, that they're okay. And that's, I think, true for adults too. You know, if you don't believe in your heart that this is all okay, regardless of what you think, then you're going to hold it back. Mm. So I'll give you an example of something that I don't put out on social media because I'm not sure if it's okay. And I'll just be honest and, and tell you that I like to swear, but I don't do that in social media. Like I like a good F-bomb, <laughs> but I'm not necessarily proud of it. And it's not something like if someone were to say like, you know, you're a horrible person because you swear like that would really, I'd be like, am I? Because I'm not sure. Like it is something I want to work on. It is something that I don't want to put out there because I'm not proud of that piece or I haven't come to grips with that piece. It's not who I want to even attract to me. Well, I think Gary Gary V has the market cornered on that, right? You might be right. (laughs) But it's crazy. Like, and I see other people on social media that just drop the F-bomb like crazy and it doesn't bother me, but I think I, I just couldn't do that. Even though I drop it here outside this room, I will. (laughs) So what I put out to the world are the pieces that other people have. I want to track those things to me. Like I love rap music. So I put that out there and I love country music. And I put that out there because I I would love to attract people into my tribe, even though that doesn't have anything to do with business or nutrition or health or any of those things, lifestyle. But it's the kind of person I want to attract because I get them and I'm going to enjoy working with them. Yep. So I put things out to the world that A, are important pieces of me. Mm-hmm. I don't put everything out, but the parts that are important pieces to me and I'm looking to connect with people who ha- also like those things, I'm going to put it out there. And it's not one dimensional. It's I love people who have a sense of humor, who don't take themselves too seriously. I do not care for people who have an overinflated ego. I do not care for people who are definitive in their opinions and mindsets and are not loving. I do not like people who are just in it for the money or the flash or the, these guys who rent a hundred, you know, a huge mansion. They rent it and then they rent 10 white exotic cars for their driveway. I don't get it. I don't relate <laughs> to you. I ain't trying to attract you, you know? Yeah. But I do relate to someone who's just like having a good time, puts their family first likes music, likes to be super silly and goofy and make people laugh and wants to live a happier, healthier, fuller life, but they just don't take themselves too seriously. Mm. So I put all of that out there. And by the way, I also really believe very strongly in working with people who have belief, Mm -hmm. who have a faith. It doesn't have to be my faith, even though I'm a Christian, but I, I do love working with people who have and respect a higher power. Yeah. I think the lesson there is that sometimes, let's say that one of our our listeners in a makeup company, right? You know, she struggles with, well, Bob, I don't know how me sharing videos of my workouts are going to help me in my makeup business. And what they lose sight of is the more you put out there of yourself, the more people get to know you, the more chances that they have to connect with you. And I think that's what you do such a great job of is you're clear on who you want to talk to. You're not trying to be everything to everyone, but you strategically put out these parts of your life and you give yourself more of an opportunity to connect with people because you share these different parts of your life. Absolutely. You know, if you think about the people who you're attracted to in real life, it isn't because of one 
you're sitting in the stands with another mom watching your kid's baseball game. You have that in common, but that's not going to make you excited to sit next to that person again. But once you figure out that you've got quite a few things in common, then you're looking for that person and you want to go hang out with them because you feel comfortable around them, even though what you might be talking about in that moment is baseball. And P.S., work is so much more enjoyable when you're not trying to not offend people or trying to, uh, you know, come across a certain way to a certain group. When you're just like, you can relax and totally be yourself and not worry about it, then work is fun. Yeah. Because you know what it is? It's alignment. The person you are in your business is not different than the person you are out of your business. And I think being congruent and being in alignment gives you power. It allows you to show up in a more confident way. Yeah. I wrote that word down. That's absolutely, absolutely true. And it just makes it a lot easier for people to find you. Now, let's also not paint, you know, this perfect picture because let's face it, Bob, we're in a time right now, like I follow this one female comedian and yesterday I get notifications when she tweets and she she tweeted a tweet. And then right after she tweeted another tweet that said, okay, I dare you to find fault with this. And it was kind of like the same thing she had just said. But I'm like, here's a comedian who was making a joke. And the reason why she did the follow-up tweet is because people had like ripped her a new one. Yeah. You know, that's so offensive. You are so insensitive. I'm like, she's a comedian. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah. But if a comedian can offend their following, right? we are all worried about offending our followings. And, you know, I'm trying to be more like, it's difficult to figure out how to, you know, not worry and just be who you are and put it all out there and don't worry about this or that. But at the same time, I don't know what's going on, but we're in this age in social media where people like they go on social media to find fault. Uh, You know, the thing that you said wrong, the thing that you said that was insensitive or offensive or prejudicial. And so we do have to be a little bit more careful about the way we phrase things and think about how the impact might affect others. But I don't think you should filter out who you are. And also it's okay. You have to like ask yourself, like, am I okay with offending this group or alienating if it makes it easier for the people who are looking for my message to find me? Yeah. Kind of the last thing we tackle here is, to me, the thing that keeps coming up is faith, right? Mm -hmm. Because I love how you said that you share the parts of your life that are really important to you, like the big cornerstone pieces. And I think a lot of our listeners, they are strong in their faith and their spirituality, whatever that part of their life is. But I think sometimes they shy away from, hey, somebody at some point in time taught me you shouldn't talk about your faith when it comes to business. So I feel like a lot of our listeners, they have this part of their life and their faith that is critical to them, but they're not sure whether they should be talking about that on social media. And I know you're outspoken about kind of your faith and it's been a conscious decision of mine to be more outspoken. And I think to me, the key is doing it in the right way, right? Not being dismissive of people that have different beliefs, but I'm wondering, what would you have to say to someone that maybe is kind of at odds about whether they should bring that into the content that they create? Ooh, this is a good one. I'm so glad you brought it up. So that was me. I have always been a Christian and my husband was not. He had never gone to church, had never been baptized, didn't know much about the Christian faith, didn't know much about the Bible or God or Jesus. And, you know, he wasn't like opposed to it. Just imagine not being ever exposed to it at all. So when we were early married, I talked about it, but not a lot. And whenever I would go to church, he's like, yeah, no, that's okay. I'm good. You know, he just didn't want to go. And then, you know, there was a period of time where he was really struggling and going through therapy. And he just said, you know what? Let's go to church. And I was like trying to be cool about like, okay. And the first time I remember we went to church, he stood up and accepted Jesus Christ as his savior. That was a really big year. In that moment, my faith became more important to me. I had stepped away from it. And not that I'd stepped away from being a Christian, but it wasn't as big of a part of my identity. It wasn't having as much of an impact on my life the way that it did once you know he accepted Jesus Christ as savior. And I realized like how much a part of his, my life he was. So until that point, I too 
rarely mentioned it because, not because I was hiding it, but because I was a Christian, but it just wasn't part of my everyday thought process. It wasn't who I was necessarily trying to align with. Um, It was just, you know, a small part of me. Once that happened, I remember a friend said to me, like within about just a few months of that, she said, Shalene, I'm, I'm going through your academies right now. And in one of them, you said, I have a faith. If I hope you have a higher power. And you didn't mention that you're a Christian. And I'm wondering why. And I said, well, I don't know. I, I guess I, you know, I don't want to offend someone who's of another faith. And she goes, well, you're not like that in anything else. You don't care. You talk about rap music. You don't say, I love music. You say, I love rap music. You don't worry about whether that's offensive to people who don't love rap music. And do you really want to attract the type of customers who would be offended that you're a Christian? Yeah. And I said, yeah, good point. And it is a big piece of me right yeah. now in our family. Yeah. So yeah, thanks for pointing that out. And literally like that day, I was like, yeah, this is a much bigger piece of me. And it's something I should talk about more. Yeah. But I'm just going to tell you until that point, I'm not proud of this, but it just, it wasn't as big of a part of my life. I wouldn't consider it even part of like, you know, the thing that I thought about when I would define myself. Yeah. And in fact, if I had, I would have felt phony. Because I did see a lot of people who were saying that they were Christian. And I always wondered, like, should I say that? And, and I'm glad that I didn't because it, that would have been inauthentic. Yep. And I see a lot of people using it. And I just question, that's so judgy. I'm going to go straight to hell, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to name names. We're just... But you know what I'm saying? Like, you do see yeah. some people and you're like, I feel like they're really overusing that. Yeah. And I don't know. You know, if I'm honest, that's an internal battle that I wage with myself is it's like, I don't want to say it too much because I don't want to be perceived like I am doing it for that reason. And it's like, that's a kind of, kind of a constant thing. But I think your point is important because it became an important part of your life and you shared it. And I think that there's just a lesson to be learned there. It's funny. The number one question, not related to our products that we would get our customer service was what religion is, Bob? That was like one of the number one questions that we got was, or like in our community, our community manager, people, they would get that question a lot. Interesting. And and what it made me realize was that people that are strong in their faith, they like to know that. But what Mm. I have found is that in sharing that part of me, but doing it in a way where we're, because I'm really clear, like we're accepting and love people of all different backgrounds. But just by me mentioning that, it's really solidified the relationship that we've had with our audience that is also strong in that area. And the ones that aren't, you know, they're just like, yeah, cool. I get it. You know, that's not my thing, but it doesn't turn them away or bother them as much. But the ones that do feel that way, they really appreciate. Like I've never gotten the type of response and feedback that I've gotten since I've been more vocal about that. And I'm not in your face because it's not who I am. Right. just mentioning it and and being more outspoken about that. Yeah. And that's a weird thing too. Like every once in a while, I'll see a post where I've mentioned God or my faith and I'll see someone go, oh, I I knew it. I knew it. And then they'll tag like five people. See, she's a Christian. And I'm like, it's so weird. Like I've always had my principles and my beliefs, but what if no one had introduced me to that concept? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. And if I can be honest, the most ruthless, cruel, mean, close-minded emails I've ever received are from fellow Christians who take issue with what I'm wearing, yeah, what I've said, and you know that then they're going to start a petition and make sure no one ever follows me on social media or buys anything that I offer and you know that and then we'll measure the degree to which I am a Christian based on something right. I've worn, which is so crazy, which is just kind of interesting. Yeah. So I, you, you have to be strong enough in it to deal with that too. Because not just deal with the, the hate or not necessarily. I've never had any hate. I can tell you that. I've never, ever had any negative feedback other than like the occasional. We're talking thousands and thousands and thousands of comments. I've never had anyone say something negative when I've shared my faith other than why do you have to throw God into this? You know, right. I'll get that every once in a while. It's no yeah. big deal. But I, I get more weirdos commenting on other things just the strongest, I guess, pushback and judgment I've received is from fellow Christians. So personally, I think the advice I would have to you is be prepared for that. And I just don't engage in it. 
Because yeah. I'm not here to tell you how to be a Christian. And God yeah. bless you if you think you need to tell me how to be one. Yeah. I think I might have learned this from you. It's easier to just not give that negative energy to that person who clearly is hurting and suffering in their own life in some way. And let's have some compassion and empathy and let's walk away and be the bigger person. Yeah, as hard as it is, you just... I almost jumped into customer service this morning and sent an email that I had to go to Shannon. I said, babe, should I send this? She goes, absolutely not. I go, okay, thanks for telling me. I just, that, Pretty much if you have me. to ask someone, should I send this? That's usually yeah. an indication you yeah, should not send it. Yeah, but it just feels so it. good to write it, doesn't it? Oh, it did. It was very therapeutic. So, Well, Shalene, look, I want to thank you so much for being here. You know, This has really been a cool moment for me. How could I have ever known... Three years ago, when I was running on Kelly Drive, listening to your podcast, that someday I would have had the opportunity to be on your podcast a couple of times and speak on your stage. And, you know, I just want to publicly express some gratitude for you and just the support that you've given me and who you've been to me as a mentor. And, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time to be on here today. And I know my audience is going to really love this conversation. So thank you. That means a lot. And you know, we're very, very picky about the people that we introduce to our family of students, Marketing Impact Academy, and how we select speakers and more so how we select people that we want the students that we serve to look up to and say, like, here's someone who's doing it right. Like, really, when I say right, like honoring their family, honoring their wife, honoring their child, honoring the people that they serve. And that to me is so much more important than, and it's, you know, obviously very successful too, but. To me, it's like there's lots of people who are successful, but I want to expose the people who I serve to the possibility of doing it the right way for the right reasons and from your heart. And just being at your event last year, I flew to Florida to attend. That was like, I got to sit in the audience and take freaking amazing notes. And, you know, I texted my husband right then there and said, we have to have Bob speak (laughs) at our event this year. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that was definitely cool. So tell us one more time, 131book.com. That's the yep. place that they go. And where's the best place for them to go if they want to learn about the actual program? Is yeah, that- I would say to go to 131method.com. But you know, I would also say it's probably just easy. Follow me on Instagram, I, on stories and IGTV. I spend a lot of time kind of making this simple for people, but it's multifaceted. Cool. You aren't just going to get diet and nutrition. I talk business. I talk Instagram strategies. I talk about family and balance and all of those things. So Shalene Johnson is my handle on Instagram. Awesome. Well, we'll put all the links to those in the show notes. So Shalene, thanks again for being here. And uh, we really appreciate you taking the time. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks, Bob. Okay. See you. Bye-bye. All right. Well, I hope that you loved that interview as much as I did. Once again, what a treat to get a chance to interview Shalene, somebody that I've looked up to for so long. And uh, hey, look, I urge you, go check out the book. I really believe that for many of you, this is kind of the missing piece, right? You being able to be better about your own health and wellness and self-care, it really goes so far in terms of helping you in your business. So once again, we'll put the link for the book here in the show notes, go check it out. And uh, special thanks again to Shalene for taking the time to join us. Hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. And thanks for being here. As always, I love and appreciate each and every one of you that are part of this community. I am your virtual upline, and I will see you soon on the next episode. Take care. <laughs>